So the title of the message today is People Get Ready. People Get Ready. Do you remember that song years ago? Crystal Lewis, I think, was the one that sang it. People get ready. Jesus is coming soon. Oh, here, I got the words right here. Soon we'll be going home. People get ready. Jesus is coming to take from the world his own. Amen. There's a lot more to that, but I'll spare you the solo. But Jesus is coming, and really that can have a dual meaning. It can have two meanings. Remember Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means he's coming right now. And he says, repent, get ready, because God is on the move on planet Earth, and he wants us to be receptive to the thing that he's doing. And let me tell you something, people. If you haven't been watching the news, watch the news. God is doing something in our college campuses. There's revival that's broken out. It's still going, and it's spreading. And, and we need to get ready. We need to get ready for the move of God. So I'm going to talk about how to do that today. But also, we are the dual meaning of it, the second side of the coin is that Jesus is returning. He is going to be physically returning to the earth. Remember the angels that were standing next to the disciples as Jesus was ascending to heaven? They said, do you see how Jesus is going up? He's going to be coming down uh, to planet earth. And that is a real event that is going to be happening. He's going to catch away his church that's called the rapture, that's called the, the great catching away. And that is biblical. That is in First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. If you want to look, look up that scene where there's a catching away, literally in the original language, it means that there is a catching away. And he says, those that are dead in Christ will rise from the grave. They will and then they'll meet those who are alive and remain in the air, and forever we will be with the Lord. And how the timing of that all plays out has been the subject of debate for 2,000 years. But the most important thing that Jesus said out of all of that is watch and pray. Be ready. People get ready. Amen? People get ready. Watch and pray. The best way I think that we can get ready is to do the very thing that Jesus said, and that is repent. I mean, yes, we can pray, and we can be open and receptive to the thing that God is doing, but at the same time, if you really want to get serious with being ready, it literally means, as Jesus said, repent for God's kingdom, the, the rulership of who he is is at hand, and we need to be ready for that. And every day in this world, you probably have seen it in your own life, but you've seen it in the lives of others, that people live a way that they think is right in their own eyes. And the Bible actually says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Well, I've, you know, I've got this all figured out. Lord, I, I can handle my life, and I can handle the course of my life. I've got wisdom. I can, I can do this. And people begin to live 
ways that are contrary. I'm talking about people in the church living contrary to God's ways and his word, thinking that they're okay. And the only way to check yourself is to look at the scriptures, look at the Bible. And, you know, the Bible says that God has given us a conscience that helps us to, you know, know the difference between right and wrong. He's given that to both unbelievers and believers. He's also given the world, the Holy Spirit, to convince people of sin and righteousness and the coming judgment that we need to stay away from, right? And so he's given us that, but he's also given us his word that when we study his word and we receive his word, you know, I encourage people, when you're reading the word of God, personalize every verse that you're reading. Don't just put it up here and make head knowledge out of it. That's, there's nothing wrong with memorizing and, and knowledge, increasing in knowledge, but personalize the application of every verse that you're reading to say, how is this applying to my life and how do I need to change according to what the word is saying? So you read a verse and you say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me and how I need to change according to this verse? So this is a funny little story. There was a man who was driving down the street with his friend. And when the light turned red, he sped up and zoomed right through it. His friend almost had a heart attack. He said, what in the world are you doing? Don't you stop for red lights? He said, well, my brother taught me to drive, and he doesn't stop for red lights. So, so I don't stop for red lights either. And sure enough, he came to the next red light and raced right through it. His friend said, are you trying to kill me? What in the world are you doing? So it happened a couple more times, and then he came to a green light, and then he stopped. And nervously, he looked both ways, and his friend said, why are you stopping now that the light is green? He's, his, his friend replied, I know, I stopped, but my brother might be coming the other way <laughs> through the red light. <laughs> and you know, the world lives like this, breaking God's laws, thinking that they will cheat death. But the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we must repent and come to the cross to be forgiven of our sins. And we have to look at God's word. If you ever want a really good standard to pray through when it comes to the subject of people getting ready, is to pray through the Ten Commandments. If you want something to line up your life to God's ways, start, start with the Ten Commandments. I pray through the Ten Commandments all the time and ask God, what do, what do I need to change? What do I need to repent of as I'm entering into your presence, as I'm walking with you? Is there anything, you know, David said, search my heart, and if there be any evil or wicked way in me, then forgive me and take it out. Take it far away from me. I don't want it, Lord. And the Ten Commandments cannot save you. You cannot be saved by practicing and doing all the Ten Commandments because the Bible says if you break just one 
commandment, then you've broken them all. And guess what? We all have. Yeah. And if you say, I haven't, Pastor, I have kept all of them since, then you're, you're breaking the lying commandment right there because it's a lie. It's a lie. James 2.10 says, whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all of it. And that's all of us. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, but praying through the Ten Commandments, it lines us up in prayer to get ready, to have a heart that's prepared to receive the presence of God. Do you follow what I'm saying? By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's not of works, lest any person should boast that they kept all the Ten Commandments and did all these wonderful things. It, it will never meet the standard, God's righteous standard, only through the grace and the cross and trust in the cross of Jesus Christ, his shed blood, can we be saved. I wanted to make that clear. So as we pray through these, um, I want you to just keep in mind that every great revival that's ever happened has happened through prayer and it's happened through personal repentance. That's where the church is cleaning itself up and getting ready for the move of God. If you want to be a part of what's happening on a global scale right now, then prepare your heart by true repentance. And what I'd like to do is just read through these Ten Commandments and stop after each one and just pray through, and, and we'll pray together. And if there's anything that you see in your heart that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It could either be that he's speaking you to, to you to something that you need to confess. Remember 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But also the very nature of repentance means a change of mind and a change of direction. So it's not just confessing and continuing in the same direction. It's confessing, you're moving one way, sinning, and repentance means that you're turning and you're walking a completely different way, okay? So as we're praying through these, as we're looking through these, just keep that in mind, okay? We're in Exodus chapter 20, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words saying, and I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's number one. That's the first top one. Don't have any other gods before me. That means that we are putting God first in our heart. If there's any God that's trying to compete with the Lord God Almighty in your heart, in your life, then it needs to be dethroned, including yourself. Some people have set up themselves as God of their life. And you need to say, you're fired. Get off the throne. And maybe the devil needs to be dethroned. And anything else that's competing for your full worship of God, placing God at the highest worth of your heart. And so let's just pray that right now. 
And if you see anything, as I just mentioned that, you know, the word has a way of shining the light into our hearts. If you see anything that's competing for the attention of God in your life, then confess it and repent of it right now. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. We want no other gods beside you. We place you as number one in our heart, in our life, in our mind. We place you at the highest worth of our heart. We worship you. We praise you. Be the king of my heart, Lord God, and let no other be there in its place. You alone are God of my life. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. And the second one is very close to it. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or this earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me, and keep my commandments. Remember Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's where it gets real, huh? That's where it gets real. And the second commandment, as I said, is very closely related to the first one. I love in the book written by Pastor Ron Mel. He's a four-square pastor. He has since gone home to be with the Lord. But I read his book called The Tender Commandments, talking about the Ten Commandments. Listen to what he has to say about the second commandment. I just love this. How would my wife feel if she saw my wallet lying on the bathroom counter and in it a photograph inside of another attractive woman? Would she think, well, he does have the right to his own privacy, Or would she get upset and interrupt what I was doing and say, who is this? If you know my wife, the latter would be the correct answer. (laughs) My wife too. And if she found out that I kind of looked to that other person for support, encouragement, and affection, how much worse would that image in my wallet be to her, the image? Remember, we read that in the second commandment. Could you fault her for feeling jealous, hurt, or angry? In other words, she has every right to insist that I keep myself and my love for her and her alone. And this is where I can hear God saying, I love you with all my heart. I have redeemed you. I love you more than any other, and I'm asking you to have no other gods in your life And not only that, but don't carry around the images of other gods in your billfold alongside of me. Don't carry these images in your heart. Don't turn to any other god for comfort, stimulation, or heart satisfaction. My wife doesn't want any rivals for my love, and God doesn't want any rivals either. Amen? Amen. So there's, you can see the pragmatic, practical way of putting that in terms of a husband and wife relationship to the image, carrying around the image of another God. 
So, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we repent of any gods or images of other gods in our life. If we've ever tried to trust any other thing besides placing our full trust in you, then forgive, forgive us, forgive me for having that image of a false god in my life. I repent. I ask you to forgive me, Lord, in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. amen. And then we have remember the Sabbath day. Oh, excuse me. I almost skipped one. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Well, what does that mean? Uh, It means that we need to honor the name of the Lord, honor God Almighty. When you speak his name or the name of Jesus or the name of God, Speak it out in reverence and honor. So much now, so much, so many times now, we hear people using God's name flippantly or saying "Oh God" and not really acknowledging Him or reverencing Him. Not to mention the name of Jesus. Why do they use the name of Jesus in movies twenty-five times in a bad movie? You know why? Because His name is powerful. And they're using it in the wrong way. Not out there cursing the name of Buddha. You know, oh, Buddha, you know, and, you know, things like that. They're using the name of Jesus because his name is powerful. And God wants us to honor God's name. And don't put the D word with God's name. Don't do that. That's horrible. Don't do that. Stay away from that stuff. And stay away. uh, Can I just be pastoral for a second? Stay away from the things that sound like it. That's just, that's just an excuse. Repent. Repent of it. Get away from that. And honor the Lord with the way that you speak. A great way to remember how you're doing with this thing is think about the words that you're saying but, and ask the Holy Spirit to help you, obviously. But when you speak God's name, think about him. Think about him. And if you find yourself saying his name without thinking about the fact that he's he's listening to what you're saying, then you may be saying it in vain, flippantly or without worth or the fact that you want to honor his name. So could we pray about that right now? Father, for the times that we have spoken your name and haven't thought about you or reverenced you or honored you, please forgive us. Please forgive me. I, I repent of that, and I ask you to forgive me, Lord. I desire to honor your name, not only in the words that I speak, but honor your name in the way that I live in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 And then the eighth verse there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work or labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant nor your female servant nor your cattle nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and hallowed it. Now, for the Christian believer, there's about three or four texts in the New Testament where the early Christians moved from the day of Saturday as the the day of keeping the Sabbath, they moved it to Sunday, which was in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and they called it the Lord's Day. In fact, at our men's Bible study, we just got another glimpse of that in 1 Corinthians, was it 16, guys? Those who were there, 16? And it said that they gathered together on the first day of the week, the Lord's Day. And so it's a day when we cease from labor and we and work and we honor the Lord. Not, again, not as out of trying to be religious and not out of trying to look religious, but we really need a break. We really need to take one day and rest. And if any of you aren't doing that, then your pastor is upset with you right now. All right, all right. Rest. Take a day and stop and rest. And honor the Lord. And I'm glad you're here honoring him today. You make that a priority. You put him first and he'll bless the rest of your week. And so, Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Forgive us for the times that we have worked all the way through, not trusting you, thinking that we had to put it all together ourselves, or if we weren't going to do it, it wasn't going to happen. But when we put you first on the first day of the week and we honor you and we rest, then you have a way of working miracles in our schedule just by simply putting you first. So today we rest and we honor you. Forgive us when we haven't. We repent, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you guys still with me now? Are you still with me? Okay, all right. So the next one is honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. There's a promise with this one that, that he says, I'll give you long life. I think that promise has a practical side of it that if your mom and dad says don't jump off a cliff and you listen to them and you honor them, then you'll live. You know, it just, it just makes sense. But there's also a spiritual blessing in honoring your father and mother. Well, he says, with the promise, I will give you long life. And I, when I'm praying through that, I also include my in-laws. Father, I want to honor my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And if there's anything that I'm doing that is not honoring of them or helping them, then forgive me and help me to do my best. Lord, I saw a beautiful cartoon. You may have, it was going around, I think it was Facebook, but uh, two parents with their little baby and they're, you know, walking down the road. And then this, the next one was that, that son grown up and he's, he's got both of them <laughs> and carrying them along. You know, isn't that funny how, how things change? But I believe in our older years, we can honor them by uh, helping them and being there for them when they need help in any way that they can. And so let's do our best for that. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you, Lord, for helping us to honor our, our parents. For those of us who still have our parents, Father, we pray that you would bless them today, and we honor them today. And, we, and, and in some cases, it means that we are forgiving them today, and we're putting aside the things that were done, and we're just saying, God, let your grace and your mercy happen and fill my heart with love for them, I pray 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The next one is, you shall not murder. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, you have heard that it is said of, of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you, Jesus says, that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And so if there's anything, as you're praying through this, you know, especially if I'm, when I said this, a face popped up and you're, man, I, I'm so upset with that person. You know, uh, that's when the Holy Spirit's trying to bring that person to your attention and something that's going on in your heart. And the Bible says if we harbor that anger and that wrath that really we're holding unforgiveness, really God cannot answer our prayers. It's that serious. So we need to forgive them. You say, well, I don't have the strength strength to forgive them. Well, just like anything in life, we we need his strength to accomplish his his will. My favorite story about that is Corey Ten Boom. She saw her sister being beaten in the concentration camp. She later, Betsy, died in the concentration camp, her sister, whom she dearly loved. She watched her sister be beaten and she, in prison, in the concentration camp, had harbored so much anger towards this prison guard. And Betsy kept telling you, Corey, you've got to let it go. You've got to let it go. And she said, I can't. I can't. They hurt you. Well, Corey was let out of that concentration camp by a miracle. And two weeks later, everyone died in that concentration camp. Her sister actually died before they killed everybody because she was very sick. But when she was released, Corey preached the gospel all over the world. And she was before this group of people in, in, a, in the same close area. And she was preaching about forgiveness. And she said, you've got to forgive. You've got, I had, she said, I had bitterness. I had unforgiveness. And you've got to let it go. And at, as soon as she was done, that very... A prison guard that beat her sister had come to Christ and came to her after that service and said, Sister Corey, please forgive me. And she knew exactly who he was. Probably saw his face every day in her mind. And she, she said he reached out his hand and said, would you please forgive me? And she said, anger just, just rushed over me. And she said, I, I can't, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. And she said, the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, reach out your hand by faith. She reached out her hand, took a hand that sort of, she said she felt the power of God move from her shoulder down through her arm, the overwhelming presence of the love of God. She said she felt power go through her arm, and she said, brother, I forgive you. I forgive you. And so we have to do some of these things by faith. And the Holy Spirit will meet us there and help us with the love of God. Amen? So, Father, if there's anything that I'm holding against anybody right now, and maybe you have a picture of that person, or maybe it's more than one person, then then just use this moment to say, God, I forgive. I forgive them. I put it away. That's what forgiveness means. I put it away. You have forgiven me, Father, of so many things. How can I hold anything against anybody who has wronged me?
I forgive them right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen? Amen. We're moving right along. The seventh one, you shall not commit adultery. Now, adultery can mean, as you're praying through this, can mean any type of sexual immorality, lust, pornography, sex outside of marriage, which is called fornication. Here's Here's another one to consider when you're praying through this. You know, I have to visit these subjects every once in a while because I feel a sense of responsibility before the Lord as, a, as someone who's preaching the truth. I feel a sense of responsibility that, it, that I need to tell you this. And I want, I'm, I want you to understand that it's coming from the gentlest way I can say it, the most loving way I can say it. But God wants us to stay away from sexual sin because he says it has the greatest damaging impact on our soul. It says these sins are greater in in a lot of respects to most other sins because of the damage they do to our identity. That's why so many people are struggling right now with their identity. And it's important for us to stay away from it. The Bible says to flee from it. Flee youthful lusts. And, in, in, and another one is that 1 Thessalonians 5.22 says to abstain from all appearance of evil. And the reason why I'm bringing that one up is some people will say, well, we're living together, but, but pastor, we're not having sex. And well, first of all, I say, well, good for you. But the Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. And if you're doing that, you need to either move, move out and wait, or you need to get married, okay? And because sex outside of marriage is fornication, and adultery is sex with someone who is not your spouse. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm not doing that. I've been faithful to my wife or my husband for, for many, many years. Years, But then Jesus takes it a step further, right? He always does. And here it is, Matthew 5, 27 through 28. You have heard that it said of, of those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us. Right? Am I the only honest one in this place? Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. All the men in the house, help us, Jesus. <laughs> so let's, let's pray. You know why? Guys are built, they're designed by God to, by being stimulated through the eyes. We're built that way. That's why there's Victoria's Secret, right? That's why they, they make a lot of money off this. And the porn industry is billions of dollars. I lived in Southern California in the heart of, like, the porn capital. Van Nuys was the porn capital of the world. Probably still is. And, but but the, the, the devil knows this. And if he can trip up guys in their eyes, then it, they, they ruin, you know, effectiveness. And God is there with forgiveness, but he really wants us to stay clean. And that's why I said last week, get the filters, 
check yourself, have the, the barriers and the walls up. And not just men, but also women. It's become a problem with women as well as our societies become more lust-oriented as well. So, but it, it really has a damaging effect. And so let's pray through this right now. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we repent of, of any of these sexual sins. And not just in our confession, but also in our behavior, Lord. We ask you to forgive us. I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me, Lord, and make me pure and keep me on that path of staying pure for you all the days of my life. And if there's anyone here who's been struggling, actually with the guys, it's the stats say that a good amount of guys are struggling with this, high amount, even in the church. So, Father, help the men to be overcomers in this area. And whatever the devil has twist thinking that, you know, this is the better, this is the better way, and this is the way you have to do things. No, it's a lie. It's not what God intended. God is good and he does good, and he has a way for us that we can live out that he intended from the beginning. And what he said when he created everything is that it is good. It is good. And so, Lord, we thank you for helping it to stay that way with us. Take away the damaging of bring back our innocence. Cleanse us and purify us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. Oh, I didn't know Pastor was going to go this far in this stuff. All right, the next one is, you shall not steal. A good thing I pray through when I'm praying through this, when I'm praying before the Lord, is, God, do I have anything in my possession right now that does not belong to me? And one of the best examples I have of this that I have to constantly keep myself in check with is people will, you know, this has happened since I've been pastoring. People come to me and say, Pastor, you have got to read this book. And in fact, I've already read it. Here's a copy. You've got to read. And so I get piles and stacks of books, that, things that people want me to read. And, and I've got a lot of books in my office, so I have to keep them separate and remember who, who gave me what. But I don't want to have anything that doesn't belong to me. That's an example. You can you know, kind of listen to the Holy Spirit about what he's saying to you. Maybe it's something at work that maybe you use some of their things and you know it's wrong, you've crossed a line. I, you know, I was just using their things, but nobody's going to know about it. And God will show you. He'll give you that conviction. And walk in integrity with him. And he will bless you. He'll promote you. And the people that are managing over you, will, um, they, will, they will see that. Joseph had that in him. He had that integrity, and God blessed him every step of the way. So, Jesus, if there's anything that we have taken that doesn't belong to us, show us, Lord, reveal it, and then help us to act upon it. We repent, we confess it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's commandment number nine. That is lying. I read in a book, a Christian book one time, that said the average person lies 200 times a day. And I hope that that's not true of a born-again person, but I think a lot of times we 
exaggerate or do things and we don't realize that we're stretching the truth a little bit. Pastors have a, a problem with that when it comes to people asking them, how many people did you have in church on Sunday? Oh, we had 200 people. Yeah, easily, easily. Oh, really? Let me check your numbers. Oh, let's move on to another subject. You know, stretching, stretching the truth. But it can, I remember early on when I, I was probably five years old when I decided I will never lie again. When I did something, I, I don't remember what the lie was, but I told a lie. And, you know, mamas and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they're very close with each other. And my mom looked at me and she said, you're lying, aren't you? And the first thought I thought was, how did she figure that out? How did she know? I will never lie again as my mom is walking out with the wooden spoon. I will never lie again. <laughs> Father, if there's anything that we have lied about or maybe, maybe someone here is listening to my voice and you're living in a lie right now. You've been pulling the wool over people's eyes for a long time, but God says, I see, I see, and it's time for you to come clean. It's time for you to confess that thing to the Lord and tell the people that you have been lying to the truth. This is, that's called true repentance, and the same is true with stealing. There's a thing called restitution. If we've taken something from somebody like Zacchaeus, he said, I will restore what I have taken from other people and even more than what I took. It's called restitution in Jesus' name. Amen. And then the last one, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And when you're praying through that, when I pray through that, I think, Lord, is there anybody in my mind that I am wanting what they have? Or I think, you know, it'd be really nice if I had the house that that person has. It'd be really nice if, you know, or it could be a quality that somebody has. Man, I really like that famous singer. And man, I wish I could be that person. And all along, God is saying, if you're always trying to be somebody else, then I can never grow in you what I designed, the greatness of what I designed in you. Did you guys catch that? If you're always looking and wanting what somebody else has, whether in ability, personality, what they have in wealth, then God will find it very difficult to bless you and what he designed for you and his plan for your life. Because when you come to the Lord with simplicity and say, God, here I am, you made me, and you don't make junk, and you have a plan for my life, you will provide for that plan for my life, and I just want you, Lord, and I just want you to do something with my life, I surrender all to you then he can take you where you're at and cause you to be blessed in the gifting that he has gifted you with, not somebody else. Amen?